Thank you for downloading this sermon from Trinity Presbyterian Church in Spartanburg, South Carolina. For more information about Trinity, visit our website at www.trinityspartanburg.com. We'll open up to Matthew chapter 2. And we'll be reading the first 12 verses of Matthew chapter 2. Please stand for the reading of God's word. This is the word of the Lord. It is eternally true. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me so that I may come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went their way, and the star, which they had seen in the east, went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star... They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. This is the word of the Lord. Be seated. One last time I'll share this this poem of Augustine with you so that our minds can be set on the the wonderful paradox and glory of Jesus' incarnation. Augustine preached this, Man's maker was made man, that he, the ruler of the stars, might nurse at his mother's breast, that the bread might hunger, the fountain thirst, the light sleep, the way be tired on its journey, that the truth might be accused of false witness, the teacher be beaten with whips, the foundation be suspended on wood, that strength might grow weak, and that the healer might be wounded, and that life might die. Glories of the incarnation of the Son of God, but also the incarnation leading to the very death and sacrifice of the Son of God for sinners. Now, we're focusing on on these Matthew chapter 2, and there are a number of questions that surround these events. And most of them arise because we've looked at um, silly can I say stupid? No, I'll just say silly nativity scenes, right? And we've 
We've sung songs that make assumptions of the text that are wrong. And it really is not my t- intent to, to focus on those things, so quickly a few points on that. First, we don't know when these wise men, the magi, astrologers, nobles from another land, we don't, we don't know where, where they're from other than the east. Um, we do know that they had some high rank because Herod was willing to entertain their questions. Herod was willing to receive them into his presence and, and dialogue with them and then eventually use them for his own purposes. Second, we don't know how many men came to visit Jesus. The reason we assume it was three is because of the three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Third, these magi likely visited Jesus sometime subsequent to Jesus' birth. Uh, the shepherds, which we read about in the Gospel of Luke, were there right at the beginning, right near the beginning. But notice how our text in Matthew at verse 11 says, the Magi came into the house, not a stable. Uh, in fact, the best we can do is to say that this visit happened within the first two years of Jesus' life. And we base that on the fact that Herod called for the killing of boys two years old and younger in verse 16. Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem in all its vicinity from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the Magi. Right, So it was calculated according to what the Magi said, and he said, okay, to be safe, I've got to kill any male baby below the age of two. So what is the purpose of this story? What is the purpose of the story and what application do we make of it? Um, Here are a few few things that it teaches us, this visit of these noble men to Jesus. First, the visit from the Magi shows us clearly this, that Jesus himself is a king Jesus himself is a king. Nobles and dignitaries came to honor Jesus, and that honor came in the highest form that honor can come, right? Worship. They worship him. The Magi announced that their intent in traveling to Jerusalem is to worship a king. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When they arrive at the house marked out by the star, they saw the child with Mary's mother, and they did what? They fell to the ground, and they worshipped him. These nobles, both their posture and their gifts of honor, give praise, give honor to this child, Jesus. The honorable set aside their own honor to honor that which is of higher honor. And that's Jesus Christ. The kingly have their king. He is indeed the king of kings. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. So here we see that enacted out in this very simple scene. They're acknowledging that Jesus is a king. Second, the the visit from the Magi shows us clearly this, that King Jesus will divide men. He will divide men. Some will be for him. Some will be against him. Some will worship him. Some will mock him. Some will bow 
in, in reverent fear before him like these magi did, and some will feign interest so that they might, might come near to silence him like Herod. Simeon's prophecy concerning Jesus is quickly being fulfilled. In Luke 2, we read about Jesus' presentation at the temple. And while there, Simeon, who had been waiting for this, he had been waiting with anticipation for Jesus to come, blesses them and says to Mary, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel. Not just the rise, but the fall of many. The fall and rise of many in Israel, and for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will pierce even your own soul, he says to Mary, to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And so the fall and the rise, literally the resurrection of many. So the Magi, these Gentiles, worship. They worship while Herod's murderous heart is revealed. Right? Hearts are already being revealed through Jesus Christ, and he has said no words, right? just the, by his birth. Now, this is always the case with Jesus Christ. No one seems, it appears to me, no one seems to be ambivalent ever about Jesus. Right? You can be ambivalent about deity. You can be an, an ambivalent about theology, you can be ambivalent about God, but no one is ambivalent about the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and that is because Simeon's prophecy will be fulfilled until the final days of the old earth. Um, people either love, worship, and honor him with zeal, or they hate, blaspheme, and dishonor him with equal zeal. There's division always when it comes to Jesus. We should expect this because Jesus said it would happen. Do you suppose that I came to grant peace on earth? I tell you no, but rather division. From now on, five members in one household will be divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law. And daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Jesus pounding the point, right? He could have stopped after he started naming the names of specific family members, but he hits it and hits it and hits it till we get the point. So Jesus divides. He is a king that brings division. Third, the visit from the Magi shows us clearly that all nations will one day worship King Jesus. Do not forget that these magi are Gentile nobles. They're Gentile nobles, not Jewish officials. What are the Jewish officials doing at this point? Working together with Herod, whom they hate. Right? How, they, how these, these magi understand these things is, is nothing less than God's mercy and revelation to them. Here in microcosm, though, with the Gentile magi traveling to Jesus and bringing him gifts is the scene that we have laid out for us that in, in Revelation 21. So, so it's, just a, it's, it's, it's a foreshadowing of what comes globally later. 
I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple, and the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God is illumined it, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. In the daytime, for there will be no night there, its gates will never be closed, and they will bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it, and nothing unclean. And no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So you see, they're, they're on, a, on a more humble scale 2,000 some years ago in Bethlehem, but not less profound. The Magi are beginning that worship which will culminate at the end of the ages, and then continue eternally. Now, here's the question, is, and it's a very simple question for you to think about. Is Jesus your king? Your king. Now, we, we don't like kings. We don't think much of kings being Americans. But we have to, because we have one in Jesus Christ. He's a king who wields authority. Is Jesus your king? Which side of the dividing line do you fall on? Right, the, the prophecy that Simeon spoke in the presence of Jesus is still being played out today. And Jesus is still appointed for the fall and the rise of many. Perhaps a contrast between Herod and these magi will help you discern your position. The Magi expend themselves to find and worship Jesus. They give of themselves intensely to worship Jesus. They travel from who knows how far away. They submit themselves to the advice of the authorities that they might find him. And when they do, they fall down before him and offer to him what they have, riches and Words of praise and honor. They make offerings to him. Herod, on the other hand, think of this, sounds like the lazy man. He tells the Magi, go and search for the child, and when you have found him, report to me so that I may come and worship him. You know, go, go do some reconnaissance first, and then, you know, if you find things to be as they are, then I guess it might be worth my time to go and worship him. Of course, he's, he's not being genuine at all. His intent is to kill him. And so he's feigning that he would worship him. Right? Herod sounds like the kind of man who is so happy his church uh, started in a Saturday evening service because it allows him to spend all of Sunday in his boat at the lake. Now, clearly, Herod... Herod is, is, is trying to use the Magi. He wants to find Jesus, but certainly not for the same reason as the Magi. He wants to find Jesus in order to protect himself from Jesus. right? And to assert then his own authority over Jesus. And the Magi want to submit to his authority and show him honor. Yet even in this, he's not... He's not about to set out on his own search. Herod wasn't about to say, don't go yet, I'm going to come with you. He didn't even go that far. 
He'll ride the coattails of those who are truly motivated to find and worship Jesus. Now, is your faith like that? Uh, Kings are not worthy of that kind of devotion. They're worthy of much more than that. Do you ride the coattails of the faithful? Those who are properly motivated. Um, Are your own motives all mixed up and self-centered and twisted like Herod's? You want to be known as spiritual. You want to be known as religious or moral or a believer. You want to please your mama. right? You want to please your boyfriend. You want to make heirs. You want to remain respectable. But you are just riding the coattails of the faithful. You're just along for the ride. You don't actually seek to find Jesus, to love Jesus, to worship Jesus, to obey Jesus as a king. You put him on and you take him off like an old sweatshirt. Not an almighty king. You feign worship like Herod. He, his feigned worship was just a means to an end. Is Jesus a means to an end? Spurgeon makes the point that it was strange that the chief priests and scribes were able to answer the questions of the Magi. Right? They're able to tell him, look, it's Bethlehem, da-da-da-da-da, but not found worshiping in Bethlehem. So they know the prophecy, they know that things are going on, they answer their questions, but then they don't worship. And Spurgeon says this, To the chief priests and scribes the question was put, and they answered the inquiry as to where Christ was would be born, but not a mother's son among them would go with the wise men to find this newborn king. Strange apathy. Alas, how common. Those who should have been leaders were no leaders. They would not even be followers of that which is good, for they had no heart towards Christ. The wise men rose superior to this serious discouragement. If the clergy would not help them, they would go to Jesus by themselves. Oh, dear friend, if you are wise, you will say, I will find Christ alone if none will join me. If I dig to the center, I will find him. If I fly to the sun, I will find him. If all men put me off, I will find him. If the ministers of the gospel appear indifferent to me, I will find him. The kingdom of heaven of old suffered violence, and the violent took it by force, and so I will. The first Christians had to leave all the authorized teachers of the day behind. And to come out by themselves, it will be no strange thing if you should have to do the same. Happy will it be if you are determined to go through floods and flames to find Christ, for he will be found of you. Thus these men were wise because having started on the search, they persevered in it until they found the Lord and worshipped him. So the Magi gave up their time, they gave up their comfort, they gave up their wealth, they gave up their reputations in order to bow down before the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't know how long they were there in that house worshiping Jesus. Undoubtedly, it was but moments in comparison to the journey they had taken. But even a moment with King Jesus would satisfy. They desired to bow their knees to the Son of God. No distance was too far. No effort was too great, right? No cost was too much of a burden that they couldn't do it. Such is the case when the one being visited is the King of Kings. 
And we find it hard to be motivated to worship Jesus. We find it hard to be motivated to worship King Jesus, don't we? We find it hard simply to read his word. We find it hard to attend the activities of his bride, the church. And what this reveals is that we have not properly thought about the glory of the king. The glory of Jesus Christ. We have not surpassed the Magi in in their devotion to Jesus. Though having much more knowledge, right? Much more revelation, much more clarity than they ever had. This should not be. This should not be. Our hearts should burn deeply to worship Jesus Christ. Finally, let me draw attention to the response of the Magi to seeing the star, which marked the place where Jesus would be found. Right? The verse 10 says, They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. It's like one of those, one of those phrases in, in Scripture where the adjectives are stacked on top of adjectives. Right? They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. It, it is only in acknowledging Jesus Christ as the King of kings, as the Almighty God, that there will be true joy, true lasting joy, not giddy, superficial, short-lived joy, but true lasting joy in your life. Do you think Herod was happy? If we were to do Herod justice and continue the process of condensing all the early events of Jesus' life into our nativity scenes, we'd surround those cozy matronly stables with the hacked-up limbs of baby boys. It's hard to sanitize Herod's contribution to the story of the incarnation of the Son of God. But what powerful contrast, right? Jesus comes to save sinners, and Herod is hacking children apart. Think of the fruit of Herod, contrasted with the fruit of the Magi, offerings and worship, as opposed to the hacked limbs of little babies. The fruit, the fruit of those who feign worship will be similar to that of Herod. Those who feign worship, those who fake it, death, destruction, and misery. Right? But the fruit of those who truly worship, truly fear, truly honor, truly recognize the glory of the King, Jesus Christ, there will be joy. So read yourself into the story. Are you closer to Herod than you are to the Magi? And of course we say, no, 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 I'm not. But always read yourself as the villain and repent. Are you, and this is, this is, what I think it boils down to, Herod was his own king, unwilling to have another king over him. Right? Are you your own king? Or is Jesus your king? In other words, when you do something, are you your own Lord determining what you're going to do next? Or is it that you go to what Jesus has told you, what Jesus has given you, what guidance the Holy Spirit has given us in the Word of God so that we might honor Jesus as a king, the king of kings, singing his praises, obeying his laws, enjoying his protection. If so, if that is your testimony, excel still more, right? Go further, keep going, 
There is still sin that makes you want to be your own king. If not, if that isn't your testimony, if you find Herod more of a compelling character than you might find the Magi, you will only acknowledge Jesus' kingship when it is too late and he becomes an enemy to you. Now therefore, O kings, show discernment, take warning, O judges of the earth, worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling, do homage to the Son, that he not become angry with you and you perish in the way. For his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for for installing your Son as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We acknowledge that he is our King, and insofar as we have failed in that, Father, we are grieved and we repent. Father, I pray that we would, we would honor Jesus by knowing his law. I pray that we would honor Jesus by worshiping in spirit and in truth. Father, I pray that we would honor Jesus by allowing all of our anxieties to fade away because we know he is protecting us. Oh, Lord, we love you and we worship you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.